Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. My name is Risha York, and I will be your host. If you are overworked, overtired, overstretched, overwhelmed, just over it, you are in the right place. We like to say we are currently working towards Zen-ish. I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Let's see who will be supporting us on our path to Zen today. Hello and welcome back to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. Today, I have Tia Slightman. Am I saying that right? Slightum. Slightum. And she is a parenting coach. And I'm going to let her introduce herself because I'm sure she has lots of fun things to educate us on today. Welcome, Tia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to reach more parents, talk more about parenting, because as we know, it is a big topic with lots of things that we need to work out. So my name is Tia Slidem. I'm a parenting coach. I've been working with kids and families for over 19 years now, which is crazy to even think about that number. I am a mom of two boys who are 14 and almost 12. So I really eat, breathe and live exactly what I coach my clients to use in their homes, in my own home. And, and I, before that, I was a kindergarten teacher in the States with my master's in early childhood education, where I learned and practiced so much of what I created in my coaching program from my teaching experience, my parenting experience, certified in positive discipline, and am ready to help every parent who wants to create that battle-free day uh, with their kids. Oh man, do I ever need to talk to you? (laughs) (laughs) So here at my super type A attempt at being Zen, we talk about parenting a lot. It comes up in almost every conversation we have because I feel like, you know, you can't anticipate that stress that you get when you finally become a parent. There's no preparing someone. Mm. Yeah. The issue is that society makes us feel like parenting is intuitive, that we should know how to parent. We should know how to know the difference between tantrums and meltdowns. We should know how to be able to avoid power struggles, how to walk away, how to be calm, how not to yell. When in fact, Most of us were raised with punishments and yelling and timeouts and, you know, maybe even physical spanking, like whatever your relationship was with your parents, a lot of times we don't want to repeat some of it, all of it, any of it, but you can't change the cycle by intuition and your experiences. You've got to learn the skills. No. And it's funny because I find, you know, I thought I'd be so well-prepared. My mother was a therapist. So I grew up in a house that was very Mm -hmm. like, we talk about our feelings Everything was very gentle and talk it out, but I did not see my seven-year-old coming, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because your seven-year-old might resemble you a tiny bit. Oh yeah. We are the same human being. Yeah. And so this is it. I recognize, and because I work in temperaments, I recognize we're the same person and I recognize he pushes my buttons. And it's everything in me to manage my reactions. So on that note, how, how do you keep your cool? How do we keep our cool in situations where it's mounting, it's mounting, it's mounting, it's mounting. 
you're ready to snap. What, what, how do you manage your reactions? Yeah. So what we have to first and foremost know is that forcing our kids to make changes is never going to work. If you are trying to force your kids to listen, force them to get dressed, force them to turn off the TV, force them to stop saying bad words, force them to potty train and sleep, none of it will ever work. And that's where we get frustrated as a parent because we're like, why aren't you doing what I told you to do? Hello, I am the parent and you should be doing what I'm telling you to do. That's why you're stuck because we cannot force our kids. So we first need to step back and say, okay, if I'm going to remain calm and Zen and relaxed, I actually can't be forcing somebody to do something because that's not Zen or calm and relaxed at all. And so what we need to do is learn the skills to shift our parenting. And when you shift how you are managing, how you are responding instead of reacting, how you are proactively setting the stage for success, all of a sudden, your kids will simultaneously change alongside you. People will say, what is the magic pill? What's the one thing I can do? What's the one thing, Tia? Tell me. I know there's something you can tell me to do. I wish it was one phrase or one simple (laughs) If it was, we wouldn't be here right now. But the one simple thing you can do is to realize that trying to get your kids to change isn't going to work. But if you can stand up and say, okay, I'm the adult. I want to learn these skills so that I can shift. You are going to see how that just immediately takes the pressure off you because we're not trying to get a different, you know, reaction or end game in our kids. Well, we are trying to get a different reaction or end game, but it's not through force. And once you take away that idea and that pressure that you have to force them, you already feel better. Yeah. It's funny. You should say that. So, um, I read the, how to talk. So little kids will listen from Joanna Ferber. Yeah. Right. Book. And I remember as I'm reading it, I'm reading these sections and I love how in it too, she'll refer afterwards and say, and here's how this came up in our group conversation. So as I'm hearing it initially, I'm like, that's not going to work with my kids. And then she goes to the group conversation and mom X says, that's not going to work with my kids. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try it. And then (laughs) I try it. And some of those methods, shockingly, it's immediate. It's immediate how fast it works. My favorite one is, you know, when you call your kid's name over again, my oldest, his name is Fox. I'm like, Fox, Fox, Fox. Hello, Fox, Fox, right? And she's like, just say Fox. When you have a moment, I have to ask you a question. I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And it's, he pauses the TV and turns around, looks at me and goes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like I just won the lottery. It, and so much of that is because if you had somebody talking to you, you wouldn't want them calling your name over and over. I don't want somebody saying, mom, 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 Tia, no. Tia, Tia. We're like, Ugh, enough. That's annoying. And it's and that's what we do is we tune it out. We literally tune it out because repetition and reminders teach your kids not to listen to you. So when you say something multiple times, you are actually reinforcing in your kids. Don't listen to me because I'll come back. I'll be back in a minute to tell you again, again. to remind you again. So when you're repeating their name over and over, they're like, whatever, they're going to say it again. I don't really need to pause the TV right now. But when you intercept that phrase, it disrupts what's happening. And and they say, oh, somebody needs me. Somebody's saying something to me. And it feels respectful to them. And our as parents is to treat them the way that we would like to be treated. Well, and it's incredible, like the small shifts you can make. My husband and I literally, before I walked into this conversation, um, we have a rule in our house and it's no TV in the morning. They get too distracted. They can't stay focused on eating or getting dressed or anything. So we just eliminate it. 
don't want it on in the morning. And it was a rule in my house when I was a kid, but it was never really an issue. Mm-hmm. Just never came up. Also, I mean, now in the land of I can have anything I want whenever I want, it's a completely different conversation. I wasn't looking to watch the 700 Club at eight o'clock in the morning. No, we had Mr. Rogers and 90 million commercials. Yeah. It was <laughs> exciting. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, what do you want to watch? It's literally yeah. everything is at your fingertips. So for a while, we were hiding the remote mm-hmm. and being like, sorry, nobody's allowed to do it. And my oldest thought it was a game. So he would like seek the whole house, find it, turn it on. And then I'd come out and he'd be watching TV. And I'm like, Hey man, you know what the rules are. And then about a week ago I got fed up and I just whispered to him before bed one night. And I said, look, I trust you. And I know you're going to make the right decision. So no TV in the morning. Are we understood? And he's like, yep. And he hasn't done it since. And my head just about exploded. My husband said to me right before I came in, have you noticed he hasn't even turned on the TV once this week? I'm like, I know. I don't know what I did. You gave him control. (laughs) You gave him power and you made him feel capable. And by hiding the remote, you made him feel like you got to overpower him. You got to be the boss. You got to call the shots. And long-term, that'll never work. So what you've done is you flipped it and you've put the responsibility onto him, which is so important. So when we look at setting boundaries for parents and, and for our kids, kids are born with two predetermined jobs, one to please you, which is great. We all love that part. And one to push boundaries until boundaries are found. So when your kids are pushing the boundaries, I was talking to a parent this morning and she's like, oh, my three and a half year old, you know, I say we're only taking three sticks at the park, but then, you know, he's, he's saying, no, I want seven sticks. And I said, no, we already said only three sticks, but he's battling me on seven sticks. And I said, he's doing an A plus 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 job. He is getting top of the class score for pushing the boundaries because that's what he's born to do. But where we miss the boat as parents is we think by saying something, we've set a boundary, right? We just get to tell them something and that's a boundary. You got to do everything that comes out of my mouth because I'm bigger and stronger and I'm the parent. So telling our kids is not setting a boundary. Setting a boundary requires three basic steps. One, setting the stage for success. First of all, what is your boundary? When are they allowed the TV? What, how long are they allowed the TV? What needs right. to be done before the TV comes on? What does the whole plan look like in your mind? Because a lot of times we haven't even mapped it out. And then we're mad at our kids for not doing something, but how are they supposed to know? They're not mind readers. Yeah. So I want you to think about writing down your boundaries for a specific area. What do you really want it to look like? What do you expect of them? What are you hoping for them to do before they go to that thing? And then we go to step two, which is TTP, teach, train, and practice. You absolutely have to go through it. Practice it, have the remote where it's going to be, come downstairs, pretend like you're your son, grab it, turn it on in the morning, ask him to correct you, tell him what you need to be doing differently, role play it, really go through it. That way you have insurance. You know that they know that they can do it and they know that you know. So that's where you can then stop the reminders. And then phase three, what's your follow through? If he turns on the TV tomorrow, what's the plan? Like what happens? So if there's not a follow through in place in advance, then you are immediately punishing your kids. So you haven't set it up. He turns the TV on in the morning and you're mad. You're frustrated because he didn't quote unquote listen. Right. And now you get to say no TV for a week. That's it. Or you get to be mad or send him to the room or whatever you do. Well, that's not fair. 
you he didn't know what the boundary was. You just told him not to do something, but he's born to test it. So right. we've got to remember if you don't set it up, your words are going to be testable. That's their job. So with a follow through, you'd say something like from now on, there's no TV in the morning. Either we follow that boundary and you can have the TV at night. Or when you turn it on in the morning, you're telling me you're not interested in watching it that day after school. No problem. Your choice. You decide. Right. Now you're like, oh, okay. I don't really want to touch that remote because I do really want that after school. So what do you do when you have that kid that's like, fine, I won't watch it after school. And then they get home and they turn it on after school. Then what? So this is where you need to look back at one, your connection with your child and the fact that if you're living in a constant state of back and forth turmoil, and if you are, we need to look at the root of the issue. And the root of the issue is often that our kids have these needs that need to be met. And every time you see your child saying like, no, I don't want to do it or back talking or acting out or having a tantrum or a meltdown, refusing to come to the table. There's a reason behind it and there's a purpose and a goal. And so we need to envision our kids wearing this giant sign that says, help me meet my needs. So when he says, I don't care, I'm not going to watch it. Then you're like, okay, hold on a minute. He's not doing it just to be a total a-hole. He's actually frustrated. He has a need that's not met. It's my job, not his. So what did I miss? Yeah. I work with parents in my coaching program to go through the behavior needs roadmap. Three, three boxes on that roadmap, basic needs, emotional needs, and our parenting with boundaries and follow through. So as a parent, you have to know, okay, what's the reason behind it? Is he overtired? Is he over hungry? Did I not fill power and attention buckets? Are my boundaries wishy-washy? Am I following through with punishments? Am I yelling? Am I giving reminders, taking things away? If any of those things are happening, he's acting how we should suspect he would act. So that's where we need to say, okay, I've got to step back and I've got to do something different so that I can help him do something different. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. I feel like the other um, challenge I often have, and we've talked about this in a lot of our podcasts too, is also when the parents aren't on the same page, right? So it's like, we've put a boundary in, we've been really clear about what it is, um, unfortunately my husband's not there when it gets set or he's there, but he's not mm-hmm. there <laughs> there. And then I'm like, you were there. We set the boundary. We know the rule. Everyone knows the rule. And then it's like, dad, let us have chips for dinner on Wednesday. And I'm like, Oh my God. Right. <laughs> you have these like moments where you're like, I thought we agreed chips are a weekend food and that's a treat and not a Wednesday night food. And So how is that basically between the parents that needs to be addressed? Is that? So the idea of getting parents on the exact same page all the time is tough because we're two different people as well. You were raised two different ways. So I always say to clients that I work with, if if your partner's not on board learning the skills, that's okay. You're not going to force your kids. You're not going to force your partner. Right. You need to decide what's important to you. So out of your control, out of your hands, your kids acting out at school, the teachers there, if you're doing all you can at home, you're probably not going to see too much happening at school, or you're going to know why it's happening at school, because it's very well organized. But we can't control if the teacher uses timeouts, we can't control the teacher, we can only control how we can help set our kids up for success as they go to school. So you can control how you parent and your relationship with your kids. And then if dad's watching, and he decides to do something different, If they're not on board to want to come onto your page, then 
there's not a whole lot you can do. You have to say, I can only be responsible for what I can be responsible for. So some of it is letting yourself know and giving yourself grace to say, I'm only human. I can only do my part. I have no control over that. I've got to let it go. Like you send your kids to your grandparents' house and you're going out of town for the weekend. I always say to parents, sure, send your routine. I do every time I leave the routine. I leave this. I have food in the fridge. But ultimately, if they're not going to go to bed at the time they want to go to bed and they're going to eat whatever they want to eat, who cares? You're away. You enjoy. Let them have their time. As long as they're alive, all is good. Right. We just seem to be alive when we come home and the rest is is great. (laughs) I think that's such a big conversation too with parents, especially, you know, in the vein of what we're talking about here, that super type A mom. Yeah. Who's like, you know, I want this this way and they don't give themselves enough grace or permission. So it's like, you know, you can't control everything all the time. Are you, and also do you want to die on every single hill? Yeah. So that's a good, I love that you brought that up. So I'm so type A, like crazy type A. So, (laughs) and I had a harder time letting go when my kids were younger because I was their advocate and I, their, their voice to some degree was my voice. But as my kids have grown and I've built them, helped build their skill sets for them, they've become really great at self-advocating. So that your being a type A parent is great. You're going to help get your kids organized and teach them not to procrastinate and do all the things that you want them to do so that they can one day have their own voice. The idea around, um, you know, picking your own hill or choosing your battles, I always try and avoid that because here's the thing. If we're picking battles, that means sometimes we're holding firm and we have limits and we have boundaries and sometimes we're letting things go. And that creates inconsistency and that creates your kids to push back more. So I want you to be really cognizant of what you decide to let go of. So letting go of when your kids are in somebody else's care, isn't slipping up on your boundaries because those are no longer your boundaries. Those are boundaries or babysitter boundaries or however dad boundaries, but you are still holding firm to you. And the reason that's important is because your kids will have less anxiety, feel more trust, be at ease when they can know what to expect most of the time from their, their mom or their dad or whoever's sort of leading that. Right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I find the stuff that Um, you know, when I get a little OCD and I'm like, okay, guys, go clean your room. Everything should go into the bins that it belongs in. Everything's labeled. It's all ready to get right. And, you know, they don't care as long as it's out of sight, out of mind. And, but I care, but I feel like I'm the only one who cares. So then I'll be like, forget, forget it. Just forget it. <laughs> so there, that is a perfect, this is a perfect example of what we talked about earlier on. We set a boundary, yeah. we set it verbally, but we didn't really set it. So we right. set the boundary, we didn't set the boundary. And that's because you told them there's a bin, it's labeled, you've done your part, you're type A, it's organized, it's beautiful, but they don't care. So we need to set the boundary so they do care. Right. So when we're done playing with these toys, they go in here or those toys disappear for the next day or two days and they'll be back out to play and we'll try again next time. But we usually feel too tired to do the follow through or we're unsure how to do the follow through. And I definitely feel like unsure is where I end up going. Cause you're like, then what do you do? Do I just grab a garbage bag and start getting rid of things? Do I start punishment? And if you're in punishment, they're going to listen less and act out more. Right. 
Yeah. What else comes to mind? Throw them in garbage bags. What else comes to your mind? Um, oh yeah. Sell it all at the next, <laughs> the next garage sale. I'm so sick of looking at all of it. Yeah. I've had a few times where I'm like, we need to go through all your toys and you guys to need to make some choices about what needs to leave the house so that we can donate it or move it out of the house. And they're all like, no. <laughs> so this is what you're going to do for that. You're going to set a sticker on your calendar on when you do your family, choose what you want to keep or don't keep. And they're going to know it's coming and it's going to be something you're talking about. And you're going to spend maybe 45 minutes and you're going to set a timer. I love this timer. This is the best timer to help set boundaries and avoid those reminders. There's a link in my bio. I'll share it with you so that people can access it. Great. But this time tracker timer, you're going to set it for 45 minutes. And you're going to say, when we have our family clean out, we're going to go into the toy room together. We're going to spend 45 minutes. I'm going to set the timer. When the timer is off, we can be done. Or if you still want to work with me, great. We can still continue to work. We're going to work together. You're going to pick the things you want to keep in a keep pile of things that you want another little boy or girl to have who doesn't have as much, who are less fortunate in this pile. And then we can choose where we're going to go and donate that. Okay. So right. that's where you're going to do. And then if they say, well, I don't care, you can say no problem. We only have a certain amount of space for a certain amount of toys. So either you can help me choose, or I'll do my best to choose what I think you play with and what I don't think you play with and I'll donate them. Right. They're not going to want you to donate them. No, they never do. Yeah. We've had that exact conversation. (laughs) Mm. So now they come in and you do it and then you follow through with where those toys go. You get online and you look at where you can drop them off hospitals and wherever else they can go. And then you take them with you to donate it. That feeling they get from, oh my gosh, I'm giving all these kids toys that they didn't have the opportunity to have now brings meaning to them. Yeah. Instead of us just saying, I'm taking your toys away and giving them away. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. So what are ways that we can create more of this balance, more of this Zen-like parenting experience? Because I feel like, you know, there's certain times of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, getting out of the door in the morning, Mm. um, after school sometimes can be a little bit saucy around my house. Definitely dinner time. We've worked on that. That Joanna Farber book was really helpful about, you know, serving everything in family style, which has helped almost eliminate all of the fights at dinner time. Um, but if everything I have on the table they don't want. Then we're into it. And bedtime around here is a constant, it's a constant battle. And I've done everything to like, try and chill it out, stick to the routine, you know, but for some reason. Can I ask when let's use bedtime, for example, do you feel like you need to remind them to go? Do you feel like they're in and out of their room and you're giving them multiple chances? Do you feel like sometimes you stay with them? Sometimes you don't. Like, what does it look like? We almost always stay with them. Um, We have books in the bedroom and then lights out and we'll lay down and we set a boundary of X amount of minutes. So mom and dad are going to stay for five minutes. And then my youngest is three and a half and his whole thing is seven right now. So he'll say seven minutes. And (laughs) my husband will usually go find seven minutes. So we stay seven minutes. And then we're like, okay, guys, that's it. Good night. But the part that's a struggle is getting them between 
brushing their teeth into the room door closed. And then it's like a wrestling match because they share a room and they won't sit down and they're bouncing off the ceiling. And we're like, I thought you guys wanted to read a book. And they're like, no, we want to do this. And then you're like, okay, well, I guess we won't read. No, we do want to read a book. Now we do. And it's like this back and forth nonsense. And you're yeah. constantly saying, lay down. It's time to lay down and rest. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we don't have clear boundaries, even though we have a set schedule in our mind. We haven't set our boundaries. And they get added attention and power when you remind and when you give them chances and when you say, don't you want books? I thought you wanted books. No, you're not getting books. Okay, fine. You want books. And so they actually learn that going in there and wrestling and not listening and not cooperating is giving them lots of power and attention. Okay. So we want to think about one proactively. It's part of that roadmap. We, we briefly talked about filling up those power and attention buckets in advance so they don't feel the need to fight to fill them up. So if right. we don't meet those needs on the roadmap, you're just going to continue to see unwanted behaviors. It's going to happen. And so one of the ways that you can fill up um, those power and attention buckets is by doing golden time. It's a simple strategy I teach clients of mine to use. I'll share it with a link with uh, you for your listeners where oh, they great. can download a free guide. Um, it's five ingredients and it's making sure that we are connecting with each of our kids to help fill up those power and attention buckets. The thing about attention that we often miss is that there's two areas that we don't think about just in our intuition as a parent. One, that kids are going to take positive or negative attention. So if you're reminding, you're getting upset, you're heated, you're yelling, you're screaming, you're just like, forget it, don't even eat, I don't care. They're like, yeah, ding, 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 amazing. I'm getting attention, I'm getting power. This is how I should be acting. This is how I act to fill it up because I need my needs met. They're not full, but this is working. So I should right. keep acting like this. So the negative and the positive attention is key. And then the other thing is perspective. So when we're looking at the perspective of, you know, attention from our perspective, all we do is spend time with our kids, driving them places, buying things, organizing, food prep, cleaning up, giving them baths, reading them stories. Like, do we ever do anything for ourselves is what it feels like on our end. But on their end, they're like, mm, no, not really. You chose to have me. That's your job description. Where's my attention? Where's the time for me? All that stuff doesn't even matter. That's just the stuff you have to do. And so then now they're on this side of the spectrum and we're on this side and we're never going to meet. So we need to meet in the middle and right. golden time helps you do that. So we want to be one-on-one -on -one with our kids. We want to be doing it twice a day, fill up those attention and power buckets in the morning. So they're more apt to get ready to go get ready for school to make the morning less of a battle. Kids are going to do better when they feel better, which is a key thing to remember. Um, so one-on-one um, one -on -one, twice a day, doing something your child loves. Giving them that choice gives them power. So at night, your your um, golden time is just your book time, but it right. needs to be one-on-one -on -one and needs to be giving them a choice to choose the story that they're going to choose. Maybe they want to choose an arm tickle or a back tickle. Maybe they want to choose five minutes or seven minutes. Giving them some of that choice is your bedtime golden time. During the day, you're going to choose an activity they love. Right. Mine used to like to pretend shave with my husband. So they would get out their foam gel and they would use a fake razor and they would shave in the morning. My husband had to shave anyway, not added work, right. just doing that fourth ingredient of giving it a name, which my younger son named gold, my older son named golden time when he was four. So when they're shaving and my husband says, oh my gosh, we're getting golden time in. This is amazing. 
they then get their feelers up to say, oh, this is all about me. This is my time. Right. So this is where we have to be work. We have to parent smarter, not harder. Right. And then that last ingredient is unplugging. I'm guilty of it. We're on our phones all the time. We're scrolling. Something catches our eye. Our Apple watch dings and we think we need to check it. Not during golden time. They're going to put right. it all away. My kids used to park theirs, uh, park my phone in a, a designated parking spot. So when it was time for golden time, they knew it was going to go in the kitchen drunk drawer. That's what they decided. And they would like, time to park your phone, mommy. And I, okay. And they'd park my phone. And it was actually so zen and relaxing for me to know that my phone was away. I didn't have to be distracted. I could really focus on my child. And what you don't realize is as much as your kids need to be connected to you, you really need to be connected with them. And when you're not connected with them and you feel like you're yelling and nagging and angry and you're not the parent you want to be, you are stressed and you are more apt to react and not be that Zen type A parent that you want to be. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that has, especially after living through the pandemic, I had like, yeah. you know, yeah. a four-year-old and a six-month-old at home and it was pure mayhem. And I feel like, you know, during that time, like you said, there's all this time where you're thinking I'm doing everything for you. I'm here for you. When's mommy time? When does mommy get a break? When can I hit pause and have a moment? And, and I feel like that's another place where we need to set boundaries too, right? Where it's like, this time is my private time and you can't just barge in the door and you can't just. When, when my kids were younger, I, I still work out in the morning. But I, they knew I was going to wake up and mommy was going to go to the basement. And that was her time. I wasn't going to come up and play. I wasn't going to do those things. I might set their banana cookies and their vitamins and their milk cup out. So if they wanted to have that while they were doing what they were doing, fine. I would still do my part, but that was my time. And what, it, what parents sometimes forget is that it's short-term pain for a long-term gain when you focus on these skills now. So if we can solve all your mealtime challenges and we can solve your bedtime challenges, my kids used to go to bed at 5.30 when they were your kid's age. Oh Every night, asleep at 5.30. I had the whole evening to myself. Like they never battled it. They still don't battle bedtime at 14. They go to bed at 7.30 if they don't have sports and they're 14 and 12. Yeah. And, and they go to bed because once you set that boundary and they have that routine, they actually like that routine. They just don't know that yet because we're actually creating a whole nother playground for them, which is power struggles and reminders. We haven't set the playground that's actually going to feel good for them. Wow. So much to think about. Golden time, setting your boundaries properly. This has just been such an eye-opening chat with Tia. Please join us for part two. I hope you've enjoyed part one. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit www.yorkmotivational.com for more information on my super type A attempt at being Zen, the coaching program, Lead Without Permission, or visit our contact page to reach out to Risha. Wishing you all continued balance and fulfillment on your road to Zen.